Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the, uh, to the book of First uh, Samuel chapter 31, our last day in, uh, in First Samuel, and we have, uh, we have learned a lot. But today we get to see, uh, as we follow Saul, we get to see it all come crashing to a very, uh, very sudden end. But uh, as we uh, have learned and as we have seen throughout these, uh, these scriptures, that the end did not come suddenly, that there was plenty of, of, of warning, there was plenty of opportunity, but now Saul comes to his time of reckoning. And as I read through these uh, scriptures this week, it reminded me of what we learned in Romans chapter 2. So before we begin and before we get to look to see at the end of, uh, of Saul's life, I want, us to, uh, I want to read to you from uh, Romans chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1, where we read these sobering words. It says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rapidly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you uh, presume uh, are the riches of the kindness of the forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead to your repentance? But because of your heart and your impatient heart, you are... You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And he will render to each one according to his works. It's important that as we think about what happened to Saul and as we pity Saul for what happens to him, as we, we think it's sad and as we mourn it as we should, we need to look in our heart and it needs to be a reminder to ourselves that God's judgment is coming. That God's day of reckoning for the world is coming. And we see a lot of people going around the world uh, today, and they're talking all kind of blasphemies against the Lord. They're speaking against His truth. They're uh, speaking for things and such confusions that could not be even imagined, but it's all a part of their fallenness. It's all part of their hardness of heart. And so as we see these people walking around and it seems that they're getting away with it, it seems that there's not going to be any account for it. It just seems that they are growing stronger and stronger, but we need to be reminded of the faith that we have in the Word of God that the reckoning time, it's coming. And even as time, as we put it off and put it off and think we got time and think that we're getting away with it, what we know is that in a blink of an eye, the Lord will come back and he will bring this judgment. He will bring the reckoning and all of us will have to give an account for our lives as God brings judgment for our wickedness. And it's good to know that as I stand before judgment, that none of my wicked deeds will be brought forth. None of them would even be remembered because they're all covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And so that as we read and as we become aware of God's time of judgment, we are grateful for His patience because His patience on this world is for the purpose that no one should perish, but everyone receive salvation, that God's kindness and forbearance lays upon us, and it lays upon all the lost. But we know that suddenly the judgment will come. And we have to ask ourselves this morning, are we ready? Are we ready for the time to which God will call us home? Or are we ready for the time into which God comes back. So let's uh, begin as we read uh, together in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 31. Let's begin with verse number 1. It says, Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount uh, Gilbeah. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Ebedin, and, um, and Micah Shom, the sons of Saul, and the battle pressed against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest the uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But the armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he was also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor bearer, and all of the men, and on the same day together. And when the men of Israel, who were on the other side of the valley, and those who were beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and the three sons of the fallen on Mount Gibraltar, and they cut off the heads and stripped the armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of all of their idols and to the people. And they put his armor in the temple of Eshbroth, and they feasted, uh, and they fasted his, uh, his body on the wall of Beth Sham. But when the inhabitants of Gibash Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of the sons from the wall of Bashan. And they came to Jabesh and burned and buried them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the Turkmash tree and Jabesh and fasted seven days. How quickly it came, but we saw the storm brewing and we saw Saul's life fall apart before our very eyes as how, first of all, he lost the Spirit of God. He lost all communications as he was rendered as someone who did not uh, respond to God's uh, laws, that he did not have God inside of his heart, and he did not follow him with his whole heart. 
And so he lost the Spirit of God. He lost the presence of God in his life. And once he lost the presence of God in his, whole, in his life, it wasn't long before his whole life fell apart. And so without God's presence in his heart, he was unable to make decisions. He was unable to stand before. And once he lost the ability to have the Spirit of God in his life, he lost the ability to fight the fights of the Lord. And we have seen Saul do great things and win great battles, but now he comes before the, uh, this battle in his own strength, in his own courage, and we see that apart from God, he was unable to do anything. And once we lose our connection with God, we too ourselves will lose the ability to do anything. We will lose the ability to face our battles. We will lose the ability to conquer before uh, our enemies. And so he lost the ability. He lost the ability to fight and to win God's battles. But we also not, not only see did he lose the Spirit of God, not only did he lose the ability to fight those battles, but he also lost his family. And we get to see very tragically that he gets to see with his own eyes his own three sons be killed before him. And so he lost the things that were valuable to him. And then we get to see that as he loses the battle, and as he loses the ability to win those victories, and as he knew, knows the Spirit of God has left before him, he does not call upon the Lord at any point in this time, but yet he just hardens his heart and seeing all of this loss around him and seeing all the soldiers pressing against him, he lost all hope and he lost the desire to live and asked his armor bearer to just take your sword and kill me. And when the armor bearer didn't do it, he was in such disparse, and he was in such despair that he fell upon his own sword, and he lost his life. The final judgment that God brought in his life, that he would experience this loss, and what he experienced in this loss and what he experienced in this judgment should be as an analogy for us. It should be a parable for us to re remind us that we may go on through our life and we may be afar from God and we may be away from God and we think that everything's just great. But we have to understand that God's time of reckoning is coming in each and every one of our lives. And Saul didn't just suffer personal losses because of his rejection of God, but we see also that his family suffered destruction and that his nation suffered destruction, that as Saul died because of the lack of his relationship with God, they had to leave their towns and villages and go somewhere else, and the Philistines took up their cities. Our sins have consequences on our family. Our sins have consequences on our neighbors and on our nations. And those decisions that we make apart from God have deadly consequences. But also it was an embarrassment to God. 
God suffered humiliation in that time that as they defeated the people who supposedly called upon the name of the Lord and that he was God's servants and they took his, his, chopped off his head and took the head and hung up the body and took his armor and they sent the words to all the, the temples of all the foreign gods and everybody rejoiced and everybody glorified their God above the God of Israel. When we turn away from God in our hearts, in our lives, the people will glorify God. I mean, will glorify the foreign gods. They will glorify themselves. They will glorify sin because we're not living up the lives that we need to be. Saul suffered loss. He suffered God's judgment. He suffered the reckoning for the decisions that he made in his life. But then we read those closing verses. We read these verses that as horrible as the spiral had been for Saul, and as he was defeated, and as the people were run, and as there was very much shame, that in the midst of of his death, Here comes these mighty men, these noble men from uh, Jabesh uh, Gibral that came up and they took Saul's body in great reverence and they took it with honor and they buried it with honor and they fasted it as though he was someone deserving of honor. What these people did reminds us that our story doesn't have to end like Saul's. Because of what these men did, what these people from the city did, and why they did it, takes us back. It takes us back to chapter 11. It takes us back to when Saul has first been anointed king. And there were people who doubted him, but he was filled with the Spirit of God. He was the one, as we remember, that was least likely to be anointed king. And so he was anointed king, and people were like, whatever, and didn't think that he would amount to much, didn't think that he could do very much. But then, but then there came word. There came word from the city of Gibash, Gilead. And the Philistines had surrounded the city. I mean, not the, uh, the Philistines, but the Ammonites had uh, surrounded the city. And the people had gone out to ask for terms of surrender. And they said, well, we will give you terms of peace if all of your men come out and we get to blot out Every one, every man of yours, right eye. And they were all distraught. They didn't know what to do. And they gave them seven days to make their decision. And so they sent out messengers throughout all of Israel to see if there was anyone that would come and save them. And the word comes to the people of Israel. And everybody mourns, and everybody cries, and everybody acts like there is no hope. But then the message comes. The message comes to young Saul. 
just anointed king. And I want us to listen to what Saul did. This is chapter 11, verse number 5, if you'd like to look at it with me. It says, Now behold, Saul was coming from the field and field behind the oxen. And Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news and the men of Gibash. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words. And his anger was greatly kindled. And he took a yoke, the yoke of oxen, and cut them into pieces and set them throughout all of the territory of Israel by the hand of his messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Here is the man who's not afraid. Here is the man who is filled with the Spirit of God. And as he hears the news of the trouble, the Spirit of God enters him, enter his heart, letting him know that, that God can give victory, letting him know that there is hope. You see, when we hear about the men coming to bury Saul, we remember how it all began and what it could have been. As Saul filled with the Spirit of God, an unlikely king, an unlikely hero that God worked through to accomplish a great miracle. He rallied everybody together and said, through God, we will have this victory. And they went out and they conquered and they brought the people of great victory and brought salvation to the people there at Gabish Gilead. And after the battle, and after Saul had won that great victory, people stood up and said, who was it was that said Saul couldn't be king? Who was it that said that Saul wasn't good enough? Who was it that said they weren't going to follow Saul? They said, bring him to us, and we're going to kill him right here. We're going to kill the doubters, and we're going to kill the haters. But yet in this time, we see Saul. Speak as a man of God's own heart, as he says in verse number 13. It says, but Saul said, uh, not a man shall be put to death this day. For the today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Saul knew in that moment that it wasn't him doing it, but it was God working through him. How many people do we know? And maybe it's you that started out your life on fire from God, really feeling His Spirit moving in your heart and your life. And you obeyed God. And you went out and did great, God, great things for God. And you gave gratitude for everything to which you accomplished to God Almighty who worked through you. But then something happened, just like it happened with Saul. He started trying to do things on his own strength. He started, got concerning about his own glory. And perhaps worst of all, he started thinking about what other people around him thought and started acting like the kings of the world instead of a king that is under the lordship and strength 
of God. And he slowly faded away. The Lord tried many a times, we remember, as we read through Saul's story, to try to call him back. As just like we read in Romans this morning that God would bring slight judgments in his life to, in forbearance, hoping that he would come to repentance. But every time God would try to bring him to repentance, he hardened his heart more and more. So eventually he got to a point where he was unresponsive to God. And then God brought the judgment. But it didn't have to be that way, did it? Any moment and any time that he was still breathing, there was an opportunity to turn back to God. And you may not believe that in Saul's life, but we can believe it in ours because the Scripture serves us in in 1 John that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Every moment that you still have breath, every moment that exists before the Jesus Christ comes and sets His foot upon this earth is an opportunity for you to come back to God. Think about your life. Think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you received him yet? Have you received the free gift of salvation in your heart and life? You may be thinking in your heart, I got plenty of time to work that out. I'll wait till I'm older. I'll wait till next week. I'll wait till next month. But we need to remember that God's judgment, God's judgment is just a step away. He gave you today and today only as the opportunity to get your relationship right with God. Maybe you know Jesus Christ. Maybe you used to be on fire for him. Maybe you used to do and allow God to work great things through you, but you've fallen off and you've fallen away. Today is the day to get right because today is the only day that we have left. Maybe you thought at some point in time that you knew Jesus, but your life reveals that you know what, you never made that commitment to him. Now is the day. Now is the day to get it right. It doesn't matter how much you've stumbled, and it doesn't matter how much you've fallen, and it doesn't matter how far that you've gotten away. It doesn't have to end like that. Today can be a new day. Today can be the day that you return back to Him. And if we call out to God, He will not only forgive us, but He will restore us to a sonship. God's judgment is coming. The reckoning for our lives is coming. It doesn't have to end in God's judgment. It can end in God's glory. That as he gets to look in our eyes and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Are you ready? Are you ready for him to come? Are you prepared for the day to which God will judge between the wicked and the righteous? I pray everyone here is ready for that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.
We thank you so much for all the things that you've blessed us with. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of grace. Lord, because we know that we all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And Lord, we're all deserving of our wrath, of your wrath. But Lord, you showed grace to us. And Lord, you showed us the need for our salvation. And Lord, you provided for that salvation through the sacrifice of your son. Lord, I pray that as we sit here this morning, that we'll think in our hearts, Lord, are we ready? Are we ready for your appearing? Are we ready to stand before you? Or do we need to get right with you today? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.